and welcome to episode 86 of the Daft Souls podcast. Today I'm joined by Quentin Smith. Hello, Matt Lees. And Keza McDonald. Hello, Matt Lees. Hello, I'm Matt Lees, <laughs> and this is a podcast about Matt video games. This is like an avuncular podcast because Matt has set up a brand new microphone equipment. Me and Keza have been welcomed in. We're sat here looking at you. For no for touching, cues. though. There's no touching. No touching. No yeah, touching it's a new setup, equipment. which means that we're not entirely sure how well it will work. There might be uh, uh, gremlins and boglins. We could theoretically all hold hands around the circle. Oh my god! Uh, that would, I, we <laughs> absolutely could. I've been holding my hot coffee, so my hands are super clammy, <laughs> which would give this a very like geeky, soiled palms uh, feeling. I've just spent the day at a games conference, so no worries there. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah. Majestic. Well, let's talk about some video games. So you were at Brighton's Develop Conference. I was. And that this today was full of Pokemons. It was. So Pokemon Go, obviously, has been, it's been out, sort of, in that you can sideload it onto your Android or mess around with your Google permissions. I've seen so many people playing else. it, even though it only came out today. Yeah, it came out this morning, technically. But for those of us who were, for some reason, constrained... It is technically and officially out today. Hooray! Um, but yeah, so the develop conference is like two days in Brighton every year. It's basically just British indie developers and mm -hmm. investors and people. It's not like it's not E three, but it's very nice. It's fun to go to, and um, but today it was almost deserted because everyone had downloaded Pokemon Go. And there were just loads of people wandering around Brighton Beach staring at their phones. Yeah, were there not a lot of Pokemon in the conference centre? Turns out, no, they're mostly outside. Yeah. Loads and loads of Pokemon outside. Like, I wandered around Brighton for a bit this morning with it, and it's just, it's they're everywhere. Fucking nothing around here. It's pure bats and you got, rats. You've got a Poke, Pokestop up at your church, like, two I know, I've got lots of Pokestops nearby, but no bloody fucking Pokers. <laughs> no bloody fucking Pokers. <laughs> I have a question. So, all the screenshots I've been seeing of Pokemon Go... Are all first generation Pokemons? Yes. So this this is this is very clever of them because so basically every twenty <laughs> minutes today, I've been called up by some completely baffled BBC or Sun or Daily Mail journalist being like, well not Daily Mail but whoever <laughs> saying, do my job for <laughs> he me. He says he's basically being like, help. What's happened? Why is Pokemon suddenly a thing again? Mm -hmm. And the clever thing is, like everyone's everyone's uh, well everyone the Telegraph or whatever are talking about it as if it's a new kids thing. But everyone who's playing it is my age. Right, this is what I'm saying. So because they put all the first generation Pokemon in because that's the nostalgia button. I've um, seen loads of kids playing it. Oh well. god, we're not going to have another fight about nostalgia on another podcast with you on. I because I, I don't want to play the grumpy guy, but yeah, it's it's funny how like we're into this world of Pokemon, the wonderful new children's game for children, and except it's not because no, it's who not. Has, it's for people yeah. who were between the ages of nine and twelve in about two thousand. Right, who now have access to the uh, high quality mobile devices exactly. and who also have the freedom to wander around. I don't know though. Well, I think I mean, Pokemon. Kids will play too. I think Pokemon's been one of those enduring things that like it has. Yeah. It's continued, and obviously a lot of the the newer ones have been shit in terms of the designs of the Pokemon. You know what? You know what? You know what? Let's return to this discussion again, because I've been playing Pokemon X and Y as of this week, and I tell you what, those designs are not shit. I think No, they're good. Been... X and Y is a good one. Yeah, yeah X we... and Y was one of the good ones. No, it? man, I think we've been massively unfair, because I was going back as well and looking at some of the original Pokemon designs, and I think... Mate, some of the... I, one of the more recent ones I played, one of the Pokemon was just a sword. Like, they just... They, come on, like, they were not as Yeah, but as do you remember brilliant. Jinx? Yeah, that's true. And, like, the one that's just a magnet? Magnetite. Yeah. Magnetite. Yeah. <laughs> Voltorb. This, just yeah. like, can we draw Upside some down eyes Pokemon ball with on eyes on? Pokeball? Yeah. Is that one? No, admittedly, yeah. But yeah, I think it's one of those things that whenever new Pokemon designs get announced, it's the, oh, no, no, it's good, the original ones, but 
I think you're probably right, Quinton. They probably are. It's just that we have different associations. Yeah, I was thinking of the new starters in X and Y, and uh, they're all loads What's, of is fun. That Osher, really... is, no, it's not the no, Osher it's not one, Osher one. It's, it's, um... it's Oh, the well, the starters Firefox. are always pretty decent. Except for in the original Pokemon, where they were kind of lame. What? Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is lame. Bulbasaur, like, I chose Bulbasaur. I love me some Bulbasaur. Yeah, people he love them, though. Bulbabad. People I, love I, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, pe- and Charmander. But yeah, so... Basically, you've Charmander's got you've got rubbish. the whole you've got the whole Fucking country bad. and all of the media freaking out over Pokemon Go, not understanding that basically what's happened is that a childhood fantasy that anyone our age had mm. now just exists in the actual world, and it's amazing. Mm. Like technology's enabled that to happen, and it is it is quite magic. Like I know it's only, but yeah, if no, it wasn't point. Pokemon, it would be you know no one would care. But because it's Pokemon, it's like the kind of real world realization of of a childhood. In a fantasy world that you love when you're a kid. For me, it would be the same if it were Narnia yeah. or like anything else. And I do think it's spanned across those generations. I think it's interesting. It's one of those it's things true. where lots of people talk about Pokemon. They go, oh, but it's been the same game for 20 years. It's like, yeah, it has. And it's been the same game for 20 years for lots of different people. Yeah. And I That's think kind it's of all Nintendo games. Yeah. <laughs> and so it means loads of kids are still discovering it. Like when I was walking around yesterday, I'd like, actually, I went for a quick run and I like so many school kids playing it, like aged from like eight to 12, because they're all just on the way home. I almost just completely took out a group of them by accident because I was just... <laughs> Were you on your bike? I was just sprinting. I was oh, running yeah. and I wasn't really looking where I was going because I was checking my phone and I was sort of like, you know, doing that horrible thing of just assuming that other people are looking where they're going and then just at the last minute looked up and just almost just ran into three nine-year-old girls who were all just fixated by their phones and it was like, yeah, they're just looking for... My partner's uh, writing an article on um, on just sort of collating all of the various Pokemon stories that have come up. So uh, we have been exposed to like all the good and bad stories, yeah. the good stuff. Nicest one I saw was the, um, there was an animal shelter in America who said, hey kids, if you're walking around this area, come in and we'll give you a dog to walk. And the dog will be like your Pokemon finding buddy. And so the dogs in the shelter get a free walk and the kids get to walk a dog while they're out walking anyway. That is adorable. Yeah, it's what great. What a lovely, lovely idea. Got a lot of shares on Twitter and obviously then we had the story of the girl finding the body uh, yeah. out back of her house next to a river. There is some weird stuff about it. I mean, at the moment we've got a lot of, obviously because it's become such an overnight sensation, you've got this uh, heady mix of people saying, isn't this amazing? It gets people out. It's fantastic. And people going, this is going to kill kids probably. And security. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so it's the, yeah, headlines. It's it's another example of like tech uh, stratification, right? Because it's a wonderful toy if you can walk around your neighborhood. But guess what? If your neighborhood is full of crime, the thing then... is, though, I've been for a couple of walks in the past week, and I've been uh, a couple of walks with Pokemon Go and without, and it does kind of defeat the point of going for a walk. If I'm entirely honest, in the fact that rather than walking around and just doing nothing yeah, keeping, and allowing your, your brain out to just whatever yeah. space you're in. You're just walking around constantly staring at something that isn't really doing much a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted over the assertion that it's, you know, the solution to childhood inactivity. Because it's like, well, I mean, at least they're physically moving, but they're not they're not <laughs> engaging with the real world any more than they would be if they were sitting at home. No. Yeah. In my opinion. That's the thing. And well, that's just from, from what I'm doing when I'm playing it. Like, and I'm, I think I'm actually... not engaging with the world around me when I'm playing Pokemon Go. So wait, so I, uh, and I want to talk a bit about this, because the Pokemon uh, Go framework comes from Ingress, which was mm-hmm. Google's previous alternate reality uh, uh, game mobile thing. Um, and I didn't interact too much with my phone in that. But the funny thing in that is you just had to walk to points and then press a button, mm. which meant there was less of the magical looking through the camera and then the Pokemon appears in front of you, right? Well, that's not how it works. It's um, There's a Pokemon and then your phone vibrates and then you tap on the Pokemon and then you go into the looking through your camera. Yeah, mode, yeah. Yes, that's, yeah, that's what I'm, I guess meant. I th- and the main problem, I guess, with it is the fact that you've got like... Um, 
you have to, and this is something they'll hopefully fix, but at the moment the app is so finickety that like you have to have it open all the time for it to do stuff. Okay. You it's can't true, just yeah. like you run it. You can't just be like, oh, where is it? Oh, it's at the church. I'll just close that and turn it on again in five yeah. minutes when I get to the church. It doesn't really... It doesn't work. It's constant. And that's why you see people walking around with their phone out and it's hilarious. Uh, the, the number of people I've walked past to, it's really funny because I'm like, I know what you're doing. Because there are people who are walking around with their phone up and not really touching the screen. And then as soon as you get close to them walking past, they immediately start like tapping on stuff as if they're going like, oh, I'm just, <laughs> I guess I'm doing my emails or something. And it's like, you are, you're just playing Pokemon. Okay, so though. the text still isn't quite there yet. It's a no, bit I th- crap, I think in about a month, I think it'll be much better. Well, it's funny because... I, I'm not sure it'll still be a thing in a month. As someone who played a lot of Ingress and didn't play Pokemon Go, I mean, it sounds very similar to the tech problems that Ingress had to do with GPS, which varies from country to country as well. Actually, Ingress's coolest mechanic, which isn't in Pokemon Go, I don't think, is that when you wanted to capture points in the world rather than setting your Pokemon to fight, there were eight nodes that were put geographically in a circle around the thing. So it's not just a case of walking to your local church. It was a case of having to go to your local church and then be about 40 feet from it eight times in a circle. So you had to navigate stuff, which meant there was a lot more kind of exploration of your environment. Mm. You had to draw draw circles and draw shapes with how you were walking, which was super neat. Well, this is the interesting thing about it. At the moment, functionally, there's just not a lot there. And it doesn't work very well. And the app is kind of bobbins. So the oh, magic okay. is there, though. The, the magic, magic is there. there. And this is the interesting thing is, at the moment, no one really knows where it's going or what it's doing. But so many people are playing it now that I assume that there'll be enough people buying the extra pokey things yeah. and making the money well, I saw it's, that top grossing, it's top grossing on both Android and iPhone which is nuts Christ. and most downloaded within po- two days that's like overtaking Clash of Clans and, and all the other stuff and those Candy Crush all money. those ones yeah but you know so we've had a lot of online uh, sort of slightly viral games in the last couple of years. I was like, where is it going? And the answer is... Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it is possible, but, but in my head, what's going to happen is that it will, you know, get more and more feature-rich. And the idea, like, what I'm That's hoping... That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what I'm hoping will happen is that in a few months, it'll be like, you know, I'll get a notification on my phone saying there's a gym meet here. Mm. And you'll go along and loads of people will have turned up with Pokemon teams. Mm-hmm. And, it's uh, super light at the moment. Actually, it's, a, it's the, because there is fighting in it, but it's the combat to me that feels the most disappointing because there's this kind of faintly rubbish swiping game. Yeah, but when they and add in like, proper combat, it'll yeah, be why really not good. just if use, they add in proper but it's that thing, yeah, it's like, why true. not just use the, the combat? Why not just use like... Well, probably because they're they're <laughs> they're talking, to, I mean, Pokemon Go is being played by, I mean, I could say that on Kotaku, Pokemon Go has been bigger than E3. Like it's been huge. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like, the numbers had, like, people are getting Between half a million and a million people reading almost everything we write about it. It's mad. And I think that, that what that means is it's not it's not necessarily people who play Pokemon even. It's just people who remember what Pokemon was. Well, right. This is my thing. I think if you put Pokemon's uh, fighting system in Which front of... Which is very complex, actually. Yeah, if you put it in front... This is why it's been nuts for me playing X and Y this week for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think all the people who are on my Twitter feed playing Pokemon Go, if you put the full, robust Pokemon fighting system in front of them, they would be put off. Oh, yeah. no, I don't think it would need to be like full and robust. I just think, like, why isn't it just a simple, like, well, choose then, a move? But then thing. you get into the system of you have to take Pokemon's IP, the intellectual property of how that fighting system works, and then Nintendo would have to be willing to give that to a bunch of Google engineers. And Niantic, and, yeah. Yeah, to, who then break it down into a simpler version of itself. Sure, Which I sure. think is something Nintendo wouldn't necessarily Yeah, I mean, their mobile strategy is very much partnership rather than exactly, yeah. development. Well, they, they, they guide, it's kind of like how they would work with a second party developer. They kind of guide the guide them, but they don't they're not they're not making a version of Pokemon, of their own Pokemon right. for a mobile. They're making a thing that 
uses Pokemon, but that there's its own game. So, but this is the fun thing, because when I see people tweeting about some of the most exciting features of Pokemon Go, it is just Ingress. And Ingress yeah. existed oh, five... It uses the exact same network of information. Right. So people have actually found that you can kind of hack the game by downloading Ingress, and then, like, it doesn't... There's no specific markings to show you where the Pokemon are in Pokemon Go. Okay. You get vague ideas of it might there might be something over there. But then apparently if you download Ingress, there are actual like physical points which are basically where the Pokemon are. Mm. So if you have But again, this is what's so bizarre about this as a phenomenon. It's a wonky app that crashes a lot. And whenever you load it up, it's massively intrusive. The killer for me is that every time you load it up, it just stops your music. It's like, and, and then if you have to go back to Spotify to continue music, by the time you then tab back to it, sometimes it decides that it's closed it and you have to open it again anyway. And oh, wow. it's just like... There's a lot of work to do on it. And it takes ages to load. And, and then when you're running, it drains your battery like a beast. Like you have to walk around. If you want to play it you out and about... Though? That's actually a good idea. Because, you know, speaking from experience, kids will just play it until the battery runs out. So the fact the fact that the you know the, the fact that the battery runs out after an hour at the moment is probably but it's their phone. Then you've got good. kids in the middle of nowhere with no phone. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I don't think that's a good thing. Mm. Uh, it's hard to describe. I don't know. Um, it uh, is funny though how what is I think we can all agree is very much just a reskin of Ingress has set the world on fire. It's because Pokemon, Pokemon, man, Pokemon was. I mean, it 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 was. It meant so much to kids at the time. Yeah, those kids are growing up and they still care. I I mean. You know what? I understand. I'm just saying, even with that, it is still slightly nuts to me. I wouldn't have predicted this. That was funny. So there was a great tweet going around that was like, you know, Nintendo's mobile strategy. 2008, yeah. what's an iPhone? 2010, no idea. 2012, still nope. 2016 changes the way society functions. But the, this is the <laughs> thing. It's like, it. they still could. It's not Nintendo changing the way society functions. It's Google, again, changing the way society but with, functions with the by power, going... But with, it was Niantic, uh, Nintendo. Just, can, we, can, we not, just, just, can we just say it's not Google? It's Niantic. Okay, people, sorry. The yes, people left Google to form Niantic. My bad, my bad. Yeah. So it's the ex-Google engineers. Yeah, yeah. I'm very glad. But those same people, yeah. Um, so a bunch of ex-engineers going, we'd like to change the world. Can we do it? Oh, we can't do it with Ingress. Nintendo, can we just borrow your brand for, for yeah. maybe three months? But I think this, this says a lot to me because Nintendo, also something else that happened today is that Nintendo announced a miniature fully functional NES mm. that when you buy it, it comes with like 35 of the best NES games and that's broken the internet as well because people are like... It's, gonna sell it's amazing how many ways they can work out to sell you the same games again and yeah. again. <laughs> but the thing is that for, as, as a long-term, lifelong Nintendo fan, which is a very, very frustrating thing to be when you're over 12, <laughs> the um, the thing that's that kind of struck me about the last few weeks is that Nintendo suddenly appears to have fucking got it. Like with um, retro games, for instance, they would never release a retro collection. They'd never like they just like dick around with the virtual console and make you buy the same Mario Brothers for three pound forty nine every time. And it was just you know they, they've never known how to, or if they have known, they haven't wanted how to, to tap into the seam of nostalgia. Well, exactly, and that's obviously like should be a huge part of their business now. Um, and it is in a way because you know when you buy the new Mario, you're thinking about the old Mario, but they're not like effectively selling their older stuff in a way that takes advantage of how culturally dominant it was, especially in America. So this mini NES, which comes with thirty games, is reasonably priced. Mm. Like I'm like fucking hell. That's someone somewhere has gone. Oh, let's do this and Pokemon Go as well. That that's an example of what happens when Nintendo just lets other clever people just have a go with their with their uh, IP. I hate that word. What's another word for that? Um, brand. Brand. I, I mean, brand, I mean, let's be, the, brand is more yeah. right, So brand, yeah, they're, they're right. properties. They're property, you know. sure. And um, I think that hopefully this will open the door to because Nintendo, for a brief period in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands, they were letting other people do things like Capcom would do a Zelda. In fact, they did several Zeldas and they were all really good. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Retroid, Retro Studios even did Metroid. 
Oh, of course, yeah, which yeah. was the best thing to happen to the Metroid yeah. brand. And, that, and, and then Rare did a Donkey Kong. I'm going to say the word brand as much as it. Yeah. Donkey Kong, great brand. Yeah, Rare, Rare did Donkey brands. Kong 64, which was Ace. And so there was this oh, period. Oh, Beat as well. Donkey, Donkey Kong 64 wasn't Ace. I loved it. Shut up. That game had way too much fucking fluff in but it. But the people Mate, at home, epic. Matt, cannot make eye contact with Kezo. Oh, I can't, this. I can't. There's tension in the room. I'm not I fighting. To be fair, I've not played it since I was about 10. That was so. the point where it, things started getting really fucking silly with it, when 64 3D platformers were collectibles. No, but it meant so much. Like, at the time, because I could only have like three games a year. Yeah. It was really, uh, yeah, it was I think this I is more the 10-year-old factor. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, was... <laughs> anyway, so Nintendo did let other people do do stuff with their brands. And then they sort of really, really pulled back. And, the, the, and they've been far too conservative the last 10 years or so. You know, since, since the Wii, um, they, they seem to... They seem to develop this mythology that they could do no wrong after the Wii, mm. um, and you know, Nintendo's not in business trouble, but it's got it's got so much money that it could operate at a loss for like years and years and years and be in no trouble. Nintendo's and never probably doomed. has. Yeah, it has operated a lo- well. It's operated a loss for like I think six quarters in its entire hundred year history. Wow, which is amazing. Like it annoys me because the kind of Nintendo is doomed thing has been going around for about like fifteen years, and it just isn't, and it's annoying. But it has been very, very kind of non-progressive as a business, and it just seems like very suddenly that someone somewhere has. Well, they are simultaneously incredibly static and ludicrously progressive. Well, things like the Wii and Splatoon, which is oh, an Splatoon. insane. I was actually going to mention. I was going to mention Splatoon earlier being just such a fantastic. Uh, people talk about you know Overwatch and everything Blizzard's doing, and Overwatch is exactly one quarter as exciting and interesting as Splatoon. I'd agree with that. I think Splatoon's one of the best shooter games that's ever been made. It's extraordinarily good. Mm-hmm. And clever and in just every single way. And it's just way. Nintendo looking at multiplayer shooters. And this was a new team. Like, this wasn't the old Nintendo hands. This was a new team and I can't remember who the producer is, but he's like a new talent at Nintendo. And they just looked at the multiplayer shooter and went, well, how do we make that accessible and fun for, for everyone? Yeah. And I... they've just opened it right up. You know, to the extent that Overwatch, you're never going to get your, your mum to play Overwatch or your kid to play Overwatch, really. But you'll get your kid to play Splatoon. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really easy. So, so long as we're talking about other uh, smart moves, I do just want to go back to that point of Pokemon Go featuring the original 150 Pokemon and no Very more. Smart. Because I tell you what, I've for now weirdly <laughs> sure. Um, I uh, was playing the Pokemon collectible trading card game, which is genuinely aimed at nine or ten year olds who buy booster packs, and you will recognise none of the Pokemon in it. It is all Mega Evolution. It's the names of trainers you've done. I mean, sorry, I tell, I tell a lie. You would. <laughs> no, I haven't played a Pokemon properly for many years. Okay, sure. Well, um, anyway, it's all the Mega Evolved forms of Pokemon. It's Pokemon you've never seen. It's As someone who played that brand, you know, circa the late 90s, mm-hmm. um, I recognize nothing. Well, also, the thing is, it wasn't just the games. The brand was bigger than that. And that's why, yeah. I mean, a lot of the time, yeah, exactly, the when cartoon. we were playing it, we were like, well, when it came out, I was about... 14, 15, 16, I guess. But then the cartoon was huge and mm-hmm. their kids who were like six were already watching the cartoon. So this is what I'm saying is interesting because in within Pokemon's uh, branding by Nintendo, you have the cartoon and the trading card game and the new uh, DS games, which are so weird and new. And then you have Pokemon Go, which we as like older critics are still referring to as Pokemon, but it's not. It's this very... Uh, sort of arcane stripe of older Pokemon. It is so much but more. But they still had all the new ones in. They still hold the old ones in the newer games as well. It hasn't been like. Not well, not actually, no, not all of them. Not in all of them, but yeah. in a lot of them, there have been. But I'm like, just kind of saying, crossovers. you can see a massive division in the kind of Pokemon that you get in Pokemon Go versus the trading card game and all the new video games. But you know, I, in my head now, I'm just imagining Pokemon Go as a thing that I can play with cross-generationally with people just in my neighbourhood and who happen so to be around. So how do you play it with people in your neighbourhood? You I've just seen say some... hello. That, that's the extent <laughs> of it. Yeah, so, there's, so there's basically, the, the other it. night in Brighton, I went out with um, with the Android version that I got and uh, I went out with a couple of friends and we just went out Pokemon hunting. We met another group of people who were also out Pokemon if hunting. If there's a Pokemon in the world, can everyone have it? Yeah. 
Okay, so I it's not like so. you grabbed it and then now I can't. No, no, everyone steal can, it. and everyone can be like, "Oh my god, there was a gyrodos." There was a rumor going around that there was a gyrodos on Brighton Pier today. Wow! And everyone was like, ah. "Like the people were literally like making excuses to leave meetings to go and see if they could get this gyrodos." <laughs> I didn't get to check. If I it saw was a photo. There. I think um, Santa Monica on the pier, like there was just apparently a, there was a Blastoise there, and there was just like the <gasps> what? entire already Santa Monica, like um, kind of that funfair on that pier, just like crammed with people. It is crazy, like people flock, and it, it hasn't been out yet properly, even. And we were out at night, and we we saw like at least three or four other groups of people who were. Quite and so it's weird. In some regards, it's kind of like I'm playing it, and I'm I'm kind of I've been playing it a bit, and I'm aware it's bullshit because it's just like it's not a very well made thing, like, and it's frustrating in many ways. And there's things I want to do in it that it makes me do like really really tedious way like when you want to get rid of pokemon you just have to like, do them one by one you're just like i don't want all these fucking rattatas in my box like i just want to get rid of them. so there's all these things that are, but then i know that it's just the allure of it being like pokemon you well, like what you're things. playing is the real world you're just playing going out and exploring and talking to people that's really what you're playing the pokemon is sort of well, a I know what it is have you heard of geocaching Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Is, yeah. I have heard of that because I was in Iceland last weekend and I found a geocaching box and I had no idea what it was. Oh, and someone I, explained it to you? Well, I freaked out because I, I took a picture of it and then I kind of picked it up and it said geocache location, do not disturb on it. And I freaked out and put it back and thought like it was some government thing. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yes, yeah, so I tweeted like a about it. Plastic someone... picnic box. I can't recall it. Government. Yeah. Yeah. I can't recall it was, but somebody on Twitter was just called, it's called geodude caching. I mean, that's basically what it is. It like... is, but the. You know what always got to me about Ingress is the uh, the thing that you two were complaining about earlier, which is the lack of accuracy within GPS locations, mm. whereas uh, geocaching can have stuff like it is under this one rock on top of a mountain. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. I mean, there's a level I of... I found it uh, under a rock on the edge of the sea in Reykjavik. Nice. But then the thing is, though, I went back and I got it and I thought, if I get into geocaching, that is the end for me. Like, it's it's too cool. I, I will end up getting really, really into it. Well, isn't the thing as well that for people at home who don't know what this is, so you just get a very accurate GPS locator and then people, uh, you can create caches uh, and a cache is really just a box containing some things. Yeah, and you and put your name in the box. In the, in the, uh, yeah, and you also leave it. a little item, right? Yeah, you leave a little So thing. you take one thing of your choice from the box and you leave one thing and then you get a collection of items that you found from all over the world exactly it is very cool it's it's a cool concept and um, but yeah the the kind of meta game of that like going and finding boxes on a hill isn't fun what's fun is telling people about it and becoming part of a kind of community oh sure or creating caches yourself and then posting riddles as to their location and stuff. yeah so that's kind of the pokemon go situation so sort of taps into that like what's what's fun isn't walking around staring at your phone and flicking at pokemon what's but fun i suspect is this this temporary like society always has these moments, these little like flash in the pan things where everyone is is uh, is joined by something. You're saying that on those TV programs in ten years of Do You Remember the Ninth? The yeah, 2010s, exactly. It'll be like, oh yeah, everyone was playing Pokemon Go. And like week. when I went for a run this morning, like I ran past two Japanese dudes and they both had their phones out in a certain way, and I thought they're playing Pokemon Go. And sure enough, as I went by, I like had a quick glance and saw they were, and I stopped and said, "Oh, are you catching anything good?" And it's like this will be something that happens for the rest of this week of people going, "Ah, oh, I got any Pokemon." And then I think that will be, that will be that. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I don't like to make predictions about this because I, you, I've been wrong many times. <laughs> I thought mobile gaming was not going to be a thing. Stupid. Uh, but what it reminds me, the only thing I've ever seen remotely like it is um, how Monster Hunter used to be in Japan. Yeah. Like where everywhere you went in Japan, people were playing Monster Hunter and you used to be able to just pull out your PSP and join in and make friends on a train for five minutes. Well, for the half hour that it would take you to do a quest. Or like, you know, I remember going to a cat cafe and a bunch of dudes sort of starting playing PSP in there. And again, you just you just pull out your console, join in. And it's very much like, but it's everywhere, kind of omnipresent. Whenever you see someone with a PSP, you know you're, they're playing. Mm -hmm. 
Monster Hunter, and it feels a bit like that with Pokemon Go. Now you see someone holding their phone a certain way, and you're like, I know what you were doing. Exactly. There is something yeah. I find kind of floofy about the uh, Pokemon fiction, which this is kind of uh, like making clear. Which is, I always wondered why within the world of Pokemon, if Pokemon exists and you catch Pokemon, you want to be the best. The reality of Pokemon would be so grim because it would be tens of thousands of kids all trying to be the best, and not all, none of them can be the best. Well, like, that's the fantasy. I'm well, already right. getting yeah. fucking shunted out by the locals. This is here, what like, I'm saying. Everyone, Pokemon Go tells you that in real life, Pokemon would be a horrible grind where everyone is, you know, racing to get ahead. And, I can't do like, anything no one in it. Ever like, was. Every time I go to a gym, I always have a look, and it's like the, the level of things in it already. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Like so, it's kind of weird, actually. It's kind of like antithetical to to what to Pokemon, Pokemon is being say, like. Yeah, because the card game and the video game and well, everything except you go to know, a gym but... and maybe you're not quite ready, but then you train a bit and you'll do it. Whereas yeah, I know yeah, they play into the fantasy of you're the well, it was just, like, just classic childhood empowerment fantasy. But before it's already out, I'm already going in. And I'm like that Pokemon's level 500 and mine's level 150. It's like. I can't do this. This is the thing. I think it's interesting to have the classical empowerment fantasy, but now we have an AR game uh, that, that has that and shows that it's incompatible with the real well, life. Well, but, though, Pokemon's always had that kind of... One of the reasons it was always universally popular amongst all kinds of kids was that it has the collect and trade and battle thing. Mm. So, like, if you're, you know, a certain type you of You just want to collect them, yeah. You would just want to pick them all up. And, you know, other other people are more interested in having a really strong one that will... Yeah. Like, I remember I remember when my brother used to play Pokemon with me, and he always used to just have this one Pokemon on his team that was, like, really strong, and that was how he played the game. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, I he bet a lot of this is going to come down to fair-weather traders, because at the moment, it's the summer. Oh, my sweet Trade. summer child. Yes. Who's going to be doing this <laughs> when it starts pissing <laughs> around? In Edinburgh in February. Yeah, like, you have to walk around. And, I mean, the thing is, when you're catching Pokemon, you have to then... You have to take your gloves off and, and keep swiping and... Who's going to do it? I, I mean, am actually <laughs> going to buy some of those gloves with the special... Oh, uh, with bits. the finger pads? Really? You still have to press Genuinely. quite hard. What, for this? <laughs> for Pokemon, I would do what? it. What? I like the idea of uh, running... Like, I'm going to try and get my, my, my stepson, if, if anyone listens to me on this podcast before, he's yeah, resistant to Nintendo, always has been, okay. because I like it. So, oh, but, classic. But all his friends play Pokemon Go already. Like, I know this because he has an Instagram <laughs> And all his uh, friends are talking about on his Instagram anyway. So I'm really hoping that we might be able to go out together and catch Pokemon. That would be so brilliant. That'd that would be mean, great. That would mean loads to me. Um, and I think that this might be the the one Pokemon game that has actually managed to jump the generations, perhaps. And that, you know, the kids will be into and the adults will be into. Well, the thing about kids is, is kids are just into what everyone's into. Yeah, exactly. Like, what what's big? They'll check it out. Mm. It is true that I mean, even like stuff like Skylanders, like stuff that I guess Minecraft is the closest thing. That every every had. every child is into Minecraft, but every but child like and also that adults can still engage with. That's true. Yeah, I mean, well, Minecraft actually got to a point where it got too complicated. I think mm, for yeah. not not for kids, but for adults. Like it got it yeah, all got the too, tech stuff. Yeah, and the enchanting is it got it got too complicated for me to be bothered with after a while. You know, and I I had a great time playing that with um with my stepson when he was about six. Um, because I knew more about it than he did, and we had a fantastic time. But like the second that he started like overtaking me in knowledge, yeah, and also that the, they just kept adding stuff in. Like I'd take a break from it and come back and have no idea what was happening because he's seven; he can't explain to me. So it just becomes a more frustrating yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, and the good thing about Pokemon Go is it's super super simple. Like it's never. I mean, one of the points of Pokemon kids love things that they can study to the extent that they know more about it than adults. Uh. That's always been the case. Like when I was uh, ten, I was a huge, huge nerd anyway. But I, I love Pokemon specifically, and like the extent of my knowledge about like move sets and types and yeah. stats and all this was just absurd. You know, I remember I would quiz my parents on things they couldn't possibly have known. 
Like, you know, what, what, is, what well, what's the dual type of a Charizard or whatever? And I just took pride in that knowledge that I had, and it was secret special knowledge that you only had if you were a kid. It is fascinating now that one of the things that Pokemon Go does have, which is fascinating, because it's very much, I think, a thing of the zeitgeist that in a few years people look back on and go, yeah, or maybe it will have expanded, who knows, is it has the same thing as Snapchat, it being like really willfully obscure, like you don't really know how to do stuff and it doesn't tell you exactly. And so you actually have secrets again in the way that we used to have with games when we were growing up where you'd be like oh do you know you can do this do you know if you hold down yeah. the thing and all of these techniques actually often um children are much more fluent in them than we are because of stuff like snapchat they know that if you just hold the screen or double tap the screen something will happen whereas we just be like without an instruction or without something a button to hold or a button to double tap we just be like well what the idea that you just hold down in the middle of the screen and something will happen would you be like well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, hadn't like, told me to do that. Like, it's, that's that's bad UI. <laughs> and I mean, I heard that, that that was the whole thing with Snapchat is they purposefully made it obtuse and obscure. So when you jump into it, adults will be put off by it because Facebook oh, started to have a lot of problems with the fact that this is the end. Well, that's the thing. Facebook had problems because mom and dad started using it and then yeah. it wasn't cool anymore. Because your, your grandparents started yeah. like, posting really embarrassing comments on your... Yeah, kids don't use Facebook. So Snapchat was purposefully made to be confusing oh so that people gosh. bounce off it. And That's really cool. I've and never I... been happier to be generation gaps. <laughs> oh, God, this is awful, though. But no, Snapchat's cool. Snapchat's one of those things. Like, I remember someone at someone in, in March showing me IGN's Snapchat app, and I literally didn't couldn't figure out what I was looking at. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. can someone explain this to me? What is happening? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. It's like a, a face paint box and a broadcasting platform. Yeah, I don't it's understand just... it at all, which is fine. I don't need to. I've got my head around it now, but that's part one of the problem it's not going to be cool because of that like people because people like me now understand it like that's like sliding right into the bin of things that are not cool <laughs> the bin of things that are not cool <laughs> i imagine like a child <laughs> playground slides you know yeah. all plastic and you slide slightly slowly down into a trying, trying to scrabble thing. up it as well oh yeah, yeah definitely um but i know i think it's really awesome that when we grew up there'd be like myths and stuff of being like oh, do you know you can do this like in pokemon especially I mean, they, they still you know? have the myths otherwise known as lies they still have those. They're kind of perpetrated through YouTube Yeah, but now. I love the fact that like two days ago, people were tweeting about stuff. Like, I love that there was this universal thing. The game had come out, but nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Like, yeah. it's like, how, what does this work? How does this... It was kind of a mystery and people were making up stuff and people were like guessing at we things. We can all agree and... that mysteries in, in video games are pretty cool. They're harder yeah. these days, though. Like, I mean, yeah. the next game we're probably going to talk like, about even... oh, yeah. is okay. Inside. And that was a game where after I finished it, the first thing I did was I just Googled it and found like all of this stuff that it's just like it was already done. Like, yeah, know, the, a few days. The, the thing is, like, it literally two days after it came out, there was a video of the secret ending, which should have been... It's really hard to unlock the secret ending. Yeah, no, I it's never It's really obscure how to get the secret ending of Inside. But they would have known. And any any it, that's the fault of any designer who doesn't realise every single person who finishes their game with secrets is going to Google for the secret ending. I think they well, do know. Yeah, I mean, I don't I think mean, it's a problem. Us, but, but, but the, the thing is that... The did it, right? Yeah. But it makes me wonder, like... How do you even put in a secret that people aren't going to find? If if something that obscure can be found within two days, well, it does make you really question. I mean, it wasn't that. I don't know. I don't know. I well, think you, you can. You it's have just to you find, have to be. You have to find all the collectibles, which, like, fair enough, you could do that. But then you have to go back to a very specific point in the game and find a new thing that wasn't there anymore. I mean, I think you have to accept that people are going to find secrets in, you know, like of that kind, you know. But the Souls games, for example, have always been good at like sowing enough misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no one's still no one's figured out what poise does in Dark Souls Three. It's been months. <laughs> yeah. No one has any idea. I think it's just a bug, right? But pretty, it well, I mean, work. they claim it's working as intended, but then they won't tell us how as intended is. But I mean, it's, <laughs> like, of course they're going to say that as opposed to, oh, we shipped the game with something that does nothing. No, but they said that after Dark Souls 1, they were like, oh yeah, some of this is fucked. Uh, sorry. 
you know, like the humanity drop rate in the in the pre-patch Dark Souls one was broken. Who knows? And Who knows? Yeah. So should we talk a bit about? Inside? Let's talk about inside. We what we'll probably do is um we'll, at the end of the podcast we might have a little uh, spoilery chat about it. Mm. But to begin with, we'll just talk generally about it. Um, so don't skip ahead to the last ten minutes of the podcast if you want to avoid spoilers. Otherwise, they'll be well signposted. Mm. So I have a cool story about Inside. I went to the people who made it, Play Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the people who made Limbo. They're Danish. Danish in Copenhagen, and uh, I went to see them in 2011 because mm-hmm. I was commissioned to write a book about Limbo. Um, it was going to be like a really fancy making of. Yeah, like yeah. A really beautiful, artistic. Like the, the publisher who was doing it was basically an art book publisher, and it was going to be gorgeous. And I was supposed to do the words, so I went and I stayed with them for like ten days, mm-hmm. and I interviewed every single person who was remotely involved in the making of Limbo, and then I kind of put together this like big forty thousand word sort of making of. Um, and the story. You can't wave awesome. your hands like that when saying forty thousand words. It was that's lots. a lot of words. It was so many words. I was trying to remember how many words. Anyway, I put together like a you know short book length thing on it and then it never actually got published which was super annoying mm. but uh, it was just one of those things like i got paid for it but i was really upset that I'm it never sorry for got out book. there uh but when i was there in 2011 they had a working prototype of inside okay and uh, that like, seems like a long time ago right it's been in development for like yeah a long time it's been in development for six and a bit years okay and so when i uh you know, the, basically, I'd earned their trust after a week, and they let me play their prototype of their new thing. And I swear to God, it's literal scenes from the finished game. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's obviously the graphics weren't there, but the the scenes were in place already five to six, five years ago now. Hmm. And that that to me, like this this developer is fascinating. They are uh, the guy. There's two people at the head of it. One's the business dude, um, very smart business guy, and the other is this chap who called Arndt Jensen, who's kind of the art guy. Okay. Didn't and, uh, Limbo also have some difficulties in terms of it coming yes, out? Yes, so this is it. Like Limbo went through exactly the same development curve as inside. Basically, Limbo... Seems so- like less of a curve and more of like a sort of alpine ski y- run. Y- exactly, yeah. It's like a black diamond ski run. Like the... I mean, Limbo didn't nearly didn't come out. There were four separate occasions on which they... You know, couldn't pay people, nearly went bust. <laughs> Things fell through. They just took too long. You know, because they took fucking forever to make Limbo. Uh-huh. And uh, the idea of taking five years to make it too three-hour-long game back then was, you know, completely unheard of. And of course, there are, there are more games that are that kind of length, but, you know, usually it's because you spend a couple of years on them, and you know, that's why they're short. You can get them out quickly. But they've obviously been doing taking exactly the same approach to Inside, and I imagine it's been just as stressful for everybody working on it. You know, I really imagine there's been a lot of points where lots of different investors and other people have been like, when is this fucking game coming out? Oh, my God. Well, it, I mean, it very much does feel like the, the finished work of perfectionists. Yeah, but yeah, the Art Jensen is the a huge perfectionist, and everyone yeah. who works for him shares that tendency. He seems to hire people who who work their way. Like the puzzle designer, who I think is called Jeppe Carlsen. Um, but he's a he thinks in a really fascinating way. Is it worth describe if anyone has got this far through the podcast without knowing what Inside is? Oh shit! Yes, <laughs> Inside is basically it's really similar to Limbo in many regards. It's a two D um, bleak platformer. Um, however, if those of you who played Limbo, it was a bit of platforming, a bit of puzzle stuff, mostly moving around things and uh, drag around this, jump on things. Very light stuff. Limbo was trickier, uh, to be honest, in terms of its uh, difficulty with the jumping and difficulty with the the um, puzzles. Yeah, it had a touch of the Super Meat Boy of uh, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like that punishing. Sure, Often sure. it was more punishing because it was fuzzy on that regard. Yeah, there it wasn't like good random enough. physics and things. Yeah, yeah, and well, also... I mean, yeah. Most, the, it, it mostly worked. There were like a few moments where... I found it pretty weak, to be honest. Like, I thought that the opening start of Limbo was fantastic. Uh, towards the end, it started to be a bit more like 
Um, slightly struggled with the monochrome in terms of flat signaling, in terms of there were certain areas where you had to do a very specific thing, and because they were working with a limited palette of literally two colours, um, there were bits where I found myself dying again and again and again, because I just literally wasn't doing exactly what it wanted me to, because I hadn't spotted what it wanted me to do. And it's interesting that the inside is like the same structure, but is so much stronger in every regard, in those regards, especially of being like... Um, it has a wider palette, so it's not just black and white, but it's still quite monochromatic quite a lot muted, of time. muted, isn't it? Very muted, mm. but it, it, just the platforming and stuff is a lot easier, a lot more fun. I'm going to puzzles are a lot easier. And describe what actually happens in the game, as opposed to people thinking it's just sort of a boy running and being killed over and over again. Actually, that is exactly that's, what it is. I mean, that's what Limbo but, is, and that's yeah. So, but inside's more the story of a boy who initially appears to be trying to infiltrate some kind of. Something for some reason. I, some I horrible, mean, or just running away. A horrible. I, th I thought he was running away. At yeah. First. Okay. I mean, well, and then so of course it turns out really you're running towards something. Yes, it's a so it's a boy who is running from left to right uh, through a kind of. I thought so. I thought what was gonna. Yeah, I, everything I thought about the game turned out to be wrong, but it seemed to me that he was trying to escape from this kind of horrible urban dystopia into nature that's what i thought it was going to be okay right. but, yeah um, i got a slightly different read and it is possible to get different reads on a lot generally of, yeah, what's happening a lot, and whenever you yeah. read, I, you read like opening paragraphs of limbo articles and they're like a boy trying to infiltrate and i was like i got a completely different thing from that but that that's the thing about um play dead's games and inside is that they it's very um uh it's very allegorical but not in a kind of way in a way that like if they don't uh, a lot of games that have a lot of games that are allegorical and have messages and have metaphors and have like um, motifs and things. It's yes. just so painfully obvious. You want to claw your own eyes out because they're like, "Hey, hey, have you got the thing we're trying to say? We're trying to, yeah, have you seen?" But in, yeah. in, in uh, inside, you have no idea what any of it's so supposed to signify. Here's what I would say: I'd agree with you in that most games are tremendously simple when it comes to trying to like express anything, you know, uh, artistically, uh, trying to have sort of recurring motifs, sort of like you know, Christ. There's always they a tend way to have a simple it. idea and then express it really fucking obviously, which is fine because hey, you know, maybe the games don't have a lot of experience. The thing that I got from finishing Limbo, if like spoilers for Limbo, is it's a game where you started going, "Oh, where's this going?" and then you realize it's actually, it's not going anywhere, and you finish it, especially when you finish it, and then it, the game doesn't go anywhere. Literally, if you finished Limbo. Same with Inside. Uh, right. Start and this is what I was going to say, is that I was disappointed by, you know, no spoilers, but I was disappointed by Inside because you start it and it's a game so full of, it drips with atmosphere and theme and promise and you wonder, where's this going? And by the time I got to the end, I was very much in a sort of, really? That was your, that was your, I'd like, I don't I know, like, man. Like I was like, it. I'll agree. I kept just saying what is like every half hour, well, not even every half hour, like every few minutes something happens. You're like, what is happening? Well, this was the thing because it was once, so messed up. After you've had a first, like your first few set of surprises, I was going, oh, wow, what? You know, these are like the pieces of a bigger puzzle. And then by the end, it was like, no, there were that, yeah, all individual that, pieces. That's actually very much the Play Dead kind of style. Yeah. Like you get lots of things, you start being like, ooh, where is it? What's happening? And it just all turns out to be quite. Quite kind of bleak and defeatist in a way. I found there were like a bunch of pieces of a big puzzle. I just like the fact that you didn't get to put it together. And this is a really interesting thing. We've seen a few games recently which are like this, and it, they really are very divisive. Um, but I really like it. I like the fact that we're starting to see more games where um, the, the narrative is not just made up of of, of traditional plot points. And, and it's not that... even like there's there's a, there is an answer. Like no. with, with Limbo, everyone was obsessed with being like, oh, but what does it all mean? There must be a correct answer. A correct interpretation, and it's like the right? narrative isn't. These narratives aren't but exactly they're stories. They're more expressive. They're mm. more just like situations. They leave you feeling like you have no idea what 
just happened. And yet also having this weird innate feeling that you know exactly what that was about, but you can't explain it. So let me, let me just, I don't want to sound maybe as pessimistic as I just did. I really like, compared to 99% of video game plots, I think Inside was completely awesome. And it was like just so much fun discovering so much about the story. But when a game sort of starts scraping towards that level of quality, then I start comparing it to other things. I start comparing it to storytelling you find in other mediums. And that's when it's, like it's well, only because I'm holding it to such a high standard that I'm being a yeah. Cock. I mean that's fair. Mm. I find um one one of the things I liked about Limbo and and about Inside as well is that it kind of is a collection of images that provokes a kind of collection of different feelings. Sure, and that's sort of what the work is for me. Yeah, it's it's the collage of kind of things that it's made you think about and see. So he, rather than like you're not trying to figure out a plot so much as you're just trying to kind of yeah experience. And I think that's the thing is... like, there's no plot to a series of twelve. That's, paintings. I think There's that's, that's the thing is it's more like that. Um, and that's what I quite like. And I, but the thing is, I'm not saying it's like it's a right or wrong thing. I just think it's very much a taste thing that um, of this game felt to me like it wasn't really hinging off the structure of like a narrative structure. Mm -hmm. It was looking. It wasn't like it was looking at a more a different type of creative medium. And I think also the fact that you are actually there in it does add something to like that. And it wouldn't be acceptable in a film. If you had a film which was just sort of meandering points in their end and you didn't really feel like it had any sense... Oh, no, it's art house film. Well, yeah, kind of absolutely. Yeah, lots yeah, of but, animation is like... Lots of, have, you, have you ever seen any Danish animation? I ended up watching some because of the Limbo book research and oh my God. Um, yeah. Well, no, I was like, oh, Limbo didn't come out of nowhere. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah. I find those frustrating still. I, I still find art house movies uh, frustrating. Like I think I... What was it? Like... Uh, Slipstream Color or something I saw like oh, oh my god upstream color that upstream film. color like yeah that I watched that and I was like I kind of enjoyed it but again I was like what the fuck but I would that stayed with me though that film it did no but that's the thing but the collection of images and feelings that it provoked stayed with me exactly you know, not, and I'm kind so of much the I didn't remember what happened in it well exactly <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of open to that and I, at games especially it feels more intense because you're physically moving through these places and you're in them and Christ. sometimes Sorry, you walk away in it. we're going to have to do a spoilery bit at the yeah, end it's the there thing, some it's moments like, and inside that just made me shit myself it was so kind of like a a curated gallery in a way if I felt like I'd walk yeah. through this thing and it gave me a lot of intense feelings and I can see why a lot of people and I saw a lot of people on Twitter and stuff saying that the story didn't land for them and I'm like I wasn't really looking for a story so I get what you're saying but I think we can have both and I think if you look at Journey you see a game that is sort of a series of moments that does have this mystery of where am I mm. going with this but Journey which I think has a, a slightly more skilled hand on the tiller shows you, hey, you can just have a satisfying beat at the end of this. And I think Inside well, could have Well, that's had... very American, though. Like, I mean, I think... I, that... I don't mean satisfying as in happy. I mean, it could have been... No, no, but the, the resolution point. Like, the, the idea of... This is something that's very interesting in, in the concept of myth and story in general, right? In Western myth, in the myth that we like, it tends to have mm. to have a point. There has to be a moral. If you go back to Scandinavian myth and legend, the things like the Nibelungenlied, basically the, the plot of the, I'm doing air quotes, the plot, <laughs> the plot of the Nibelungenlied is a bunch of really bad, random shit happens and everyone dies. Yeah. And there's no like lesson from it and there's no resolution. And it is like, it's funny if you read it as a modern, like, you know, Western reader, then it feels like a really unsatisfying story because there's no resolution. But the thing is that most stories were kind of like that. And I think when you look at, because this is a Danish game and, you know, it, it is Nordic in its... um in its inspirations and also I think in its in the way it it treats the concept of story. And so the idea of it not having a satisfying something at the end to happen to tie it together, that might just be that might just be a kind of different cultural 
thing so rather I, than a failure. Again, I, could, I think you're raising a really good point and I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I would say that so much of Inside is the game asking you, you know, sort of prompting you to think about things. So much of the, even the, the wonderful audio comes from, uh, uh, again, we can, I don't want to say anything because it'll all be contained in the spoiler, but there are moments of reveals where the mm. game goes, look at this. And then you go, oh, that means this is this. And oh really? The- I never got any connection stuff. I just got. Moments. Oh, I got a lot of connection stuff. Oh, and I'd love to, to be honest, I found the finale something. to be another giant puzzle piece. It wasn't. And that's the thing is, it wasn't something that fit in the puzzle piece. But it was for me the way it ended. I was like, that that just raised more questions. But I think as as people who play video games, the um the uh we have this collector fixer urge where it's like I want to collect all of the and we have the same approach story. It's like I want to collect and same with Dark Souls. You know, I want to collect all the elements of it and put them all together and and. And and that's kind of how we like to think of story. And sometimes you just can't do that. But the interesting thing about where I'd say Journey and some of the games that have uh, plots that I feel are stronger than Inside, even bearing in mind that Inside maybe was never meant to make mm. a great deal of sense or resolve in a satisfying way, is that if you like, what is Inside trying to achieve? What what are the emotions it's trying to foster? Whether that's sort of a sense of like loneliness or oppression or darkness or technology versus nature, like those are themes that could have been wrapped up better than they were well, I, thought I, the, I thought the themes thing. were a lot more complex yeah, I, I think this is a taste thing like I mean I feel like with, with Inside I had a lot of quite complex emotions that were prompted by weird images and thoughts that those images sure. and that was a very personal thing you know would you play through the game and the thing is most um, art basically has you're going to feel this way in mind. It wants it wants you to feel a certain way and think certain things, and it wants to take you through its arc, and sure. then it wants to drop you at the end. And everyone's had the same experience. And one of the cool things about Inside is that I feel like everyone would have a slightly different. Like yeah. Limbo was like that. You know, some people picked up a lot of, like I picked up a lot of anxiety from it. I picked up fear of death, a lot mm. of like real proper like family anxiety from it. And then I spoke to other people who got completely different vibe from that game. There are tons of different readings of Inside. Mm. I think that's why interesting. Even the fact that on the basic level, like, oh, he's running away. Oh no, he's running to something. Like, mm. and even I, I thought Way at the end, like, I mean, that's the same as we just had with with Inside. I I was like, he's running away, and you guys were both thinking he's running to something. So this is yeah. this is something that the video games industry actually has no literacy in this uh, this idea that in any other form, you know, grown up like critical circles. You have people disagreeing. You have people saying this, you know, comic book. Yeah, and there's book, no right answer. Is yeah. garbage. It's awful for these reasons, and that's what we're approaching here. Where three of us can agree that Inside's a good game, but like we've never usually had video games where we have to disagree. You know, everyone agrees that you know Half Life Two was great. You know, yeah, like, this yeah, and this very true. Like critical consensus is a big. Uh, and um, we just need to grow past that. Factor. We, we just, will. We, and we have to grow past like Metacritic and stuff as well. Oh, oh yeah, of course, yeah. On Metacritic. Of course, but it, it was fascinating to me that it was just it was such a. A strange thing, and it reminded me an awful lot, actually, of uh, two things. Um, after I finished Braid the first time and just left with my head just buzzing with all these questions of being like, what the fuck is this all about? What the mm. fuck is all this about? And it was more the fact that it was like, it's rare that I finish a game and then it leaves me thinking about it and running stuff through my head for days and days and yeah. days. Sure, and I, I, Braid did do that to me, Inside didn't. And I think maybe structurally a thing that Braid has is it remained as enigmatic as it always was all the way through. It's just at the end it still had something of a crescendo. Um, and I suppose Inside does as well. It, 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 but the la- I'm thinking the last incredible. 10 seconds as opposed to the last 10 minutes. I th- yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I do, I do think it, it does that thing where it kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and then just kind of goes... Whoosh. So should, and I mean, that's that could be considered a failing, and I I would understand. I th- I feel like it might have been intentional. Yeah, I enjoyed the surprise when it ended. I wasn't expecting that. I was that was. I ended, but I didn't have that. Which thing I like, can you know at the ending. You know the ending of Prometheus where you just get to the ending and you're like, what, what? the? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, didn't have what, that reaction. We've approached this ending enough now that I think this is the time to to Should we do declare s- spoilers. Are we okay, do, cool. Are we going to do questions and then um, spoilers, or are we going to? I think fifth, we're at the fifty minute mark. You probably got people have to shoot off, so we have to just jump straight into it. I think let's jump straight into questions a hot next pot time. of spoilers. So okay, spoiler warning. Turn off in five, four, three, two. You know, you don't say five when you're firing guns. You go six, four, three, because five sounds like fire. So you go seven, six, four. Anyway. Spoilers. So if people have got this far and don't care what happens at the end of the inside game, uh, what happens is you get sucked into a big scientific experiment, which is if you have played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, you will be aware of a giant ball of human bodies, which is one of the bosses, and you get sucked into that. It's a ball... It's an amalgamation of human flesh and limbs and heads, and your character gets sucked into it. And, and it then... makes the horrible noise, my God. And it's an amazing exercise in tech and sound design, because you, for the final five minutes of the game, you control this blob. After being sucked into it, you become part of its consciousness, and you use basically the same control scheme you've been using before. The game just changes. You're just smashing through everything. Yeah, than... suddenly, yeah. instead of hiding, you just crush things. And the animation on that thing was absolutely incredible. The animation, the tech, the sound as well. The um, way, like, when you run and it, it loses well, the momentum, momentum. Too much yeah. it falls, but then it falls onto new limbs, and you just keep so rolling. Distressing, genuinely the horrendous. Imagery of it really, yeah. really freaked me out properly. I mean, I think the the uh, other, of course, like the the kind of narrative, the, the narrative, the arc of the game is that you, you're running. At first, you're running away, and, and you're being chased by men yeah. with like tasery things. Basically, you're just trying to stay away from them, and then you get introduced to this really bizarre thing that seems to, at some point this society appears to have gotten to the point where they've created watery like zombie versions. zombie workers oh the zombie workers yeah of some variety they've well, basically created watery can... versions of themselves that too I mean what's interesting to me is what the vibe I got from it is that we're in a sort of post-industrial society where all the manual labour is done by essentially like shill kind of zombie shell people yeah. and what I was trying to figure out was do they capture people and make them like that or do they like genetically create them or whatever and well, I thought, that, I thought into, the boy they load them into trucks yeah but I thought I thought the boy might have been like maybe an escapee from the I don't know the the manual labourer farm or something but then I moved past that because obviously later on in the game when the blob turns up you start thinking oh no they're doing genetic experiments and then you're like oh cool so have they created this workforce of like mindless manual labourers through genetic experiments mm-hmm. um, but then there's the and then kind of you sort of get more and more industrial as you break into the the facility where this blob is held. But what really got me was the the, the ramping tension of at first you're being chased by dudes, yeah, and then you're very very alone for a long time, yeah. and then you end up in this kind of horrible underworld underwater section where yeah. there's just these fucking I don't know. How to but that moment it. when you like first the, go down into the sea in that sub, oh yeah, Christ hell. Almighty, like, and beautiful. Like, and the only thing down there with you in the sea is this. It's like the ring. The protagonist of the ring. Well, that's the interesting thing like is the that, girl and then, with all the hair, but and like again, an underwater mermaid. Like this is why, and this is all the pieces that I started like to put together and got really kind of into is the fact that it's not a girl, it's just a boy, and it's like you, yeah. but with hair. So it's like loads of hair. Well, so it could it's be like, a boy or a girl, right? Yes, it's, it's a thing. But and this is what I mean is when you start to extrapolate all of these things from afar, you start to actually have some really, really weird and interesting puzzle pieces. Yeah, but then, so the bit that really screwed with my head was uh, essentially these the, the underwater dudes right whatever they are 
when they get to you, they drown you, and it's horrible. Like that's a real. Like, I hate the sea and drowning, and that really horrible, horrible. But then at some point, there's a point they catch you. you, you they catch you, but then they they seem to do something to you to help you. Like plug a plug into your head. Mm-hmm. So this help is yeah, a strong and then you word. Can, and then you can breathe underwater. But they, they kind of gently caress you and everything, and then you sink to the bottom of the ocean. And there's this real reversal of danger suddenly, and that's the point at which the game starts to reverse because then you're suddenly not afraid of the water because you can breathe and you have one up on everything that's trying to kill you because you have this new power. And you start to feel slightly more powerful, and then of course that builds towards becoming part of the blob. Yeah, and, and so, so yeah, I it's... mean the story theory that I've kind of uh, put together in my head through looking at a bunch of things, um, and this is why I love this game because I just think there is there are loads of clues. It's just some of them are quite subtle. Is that initially you are being controlled because the thing you unlock when you find all the secrets and go underground is you basically find that the boy is being controlled by someone with one of those heads. And like when you go and switch off one of those power, the power facility that you're in, the boy kind of slumps, and the idea which is, is that classic video game thing of you are you're not the protagonist, you were controlling the protagonist, which I always suspected. Like when I was playing the game, that was a really early thing. I thought as soon as you realise that you can chain those he- control helmets, it's like okay, well that yeah, means yeah. there's a really good chance that my character is currently being controlled by someone else somewhere, by someone somewhere who for some reason wants that blob out. But that was an early. Well, no, this is the thing. There's a, there's a, some key steps here which are really interesting in the fact that you're controlling this boy, right? Up until you fall into that water and then get dragged down. At which point, th- at that point, there's a, there's a real chance that then you are now being controlled by the blob. Yeah. And so whatever the boy was going to do originally, it's like... Wait, why would you be being controlled by the blob? The blob draws it to him and gets him to... Because... But draws how? Because you're then like, why would these things try and drag you down? Basically, so my th- theory- think about it. The blob is connected by lots of big wires to whatever freaking central nervous system is going on in this thing, right? right? So the blob has a helmet on, put it that way. But well, like that's it. a guess. Yeah, of course it's a guess. Everything's a guess. Well, no, but the, but the when, blob but has when, these things attached to it, which yeah, means it's look, controlling something. So the, the, no, blo- the wait, blob wait, wait, has wait, access, no, presumably, uh, to the same network. Other things the, the connected. Helmets. Other things connected to the blob. The helmet cups. They could be. They yeah, could they're exactly the same as the helmet cups. Yeah, like, those yeah, are you two pull, different you, answers, ladies. Well, no, 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 they no, are you, exactly the you, same. Yeah, they, they, when you pull the when you pull them off, like the things you have to pull off because you have to free the blob from its. Cords, yeah, they look exactly. They the same do as look the like things. them, and um, yeah, like and obviously, what happens when you get drowned is another another head thing. Changes, well, the thing is, you it? also like realize there's a couple of things you start to realize that. Um, so to begin with, you see the pigs with the worms, and so you know the, the, those worms are what control things. And you realise the pigs aren't trying to kill you exactly; they're just like running into you, like the guys do. And then you realise that all these people, these humans, must have these worms inside. There's something about this parasite, which is what controls people. But then you have the ability. So at first, you can control people when you're wearing one of these helmets. But then later, you realise well, after you've been dragged down into the water by these things and given one something by these these creatures with the long hair you then can control things without the helmet it means you've somehow gained this ability to be a part of this network without the tech and what that is is unclear but you could argue that these long-haired boys are just something similar to you and the reason they're being kept in these labs and that you find them in like escape from labs as they're hiding things is because the scientists are trying to work out right this is the thing the idea is that for some reason like this brain thing in my head, what it is, this brain thing is what controls these worker armies. The thing you become at the end is what is controlling these things. But there are weird rogue things that don't behave properly and they're aggressive and they're strange. And it's almost like the brain's controlling these things and 
these are like it's actual will. But here's the thing: that isn't actually a story. That's just one of those charts that Gamergate make that shows no, who's controlling no, everything. No, that's no, bullshit. It's man. not that's at all. It's, it's an interpretation you know of. It's an interpretation of what you're given. No, sure, and that's I get that. It, like it's an interpretation of what. Well, inside doesn't happening. really have a story. Inside story is boy runs to the right, becomes part of Blob, and then Blob dies. Like, that's right. the story. That's, that's the what plot. I mean. There's so many like expressive details to play with that there's so much to extrapolate from that you can reasonably and like plot, suggest plot is one third of any good story. You know, the rest of it is atmosphere and. Uh, Visual stuff like there's loads and loads and loads of aspects to story that aren't plot. And then finally, this is the fucking the thing that weirds me out the most about the whole thing. Let's just say that initially you are going in under the control of this person with this helmet, and then maybe there's a swap over, and then maybe now the boy is being controlled by the entity, which is why it's helping to free it. Because when the boy, yeah, like maybe it's a thing of the the, the entity goes, no, you're one of ours now, and you're going to help us do this. The weirdest thing. When you crash down as the blob through the roof, one of the things is a diorama of the hill that the game ends on. Mm-hmm. And there is literally like on the picture of the hill, on this big 3D model of the hill, there, <laughs> is, yeah. there is a spot which highlights the spot where the blob stops rolling. But here's the thing. I think the way you're... Wait, dis- also, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Only during the escape with the blob, you're sort of crashing through. And, and there's the, the, before you get... All, all of the workers in this factory or this science, whatever, all the people are drawn to it. You see people just abandoning their workstations and suddenly going up and sort of putting their hands on the glass and not paying attention to you anymore. Like whenever you've seen a person, they've been trying to catch you. I get the impression that Blob does exert some kind of force. No, no, no. People are compelled to kind of go and stare no, at it. No, because then they start helping you. That, but that, that, that's it. So I think the Blob is getting somehow, it exerts this this compelling force on things around it that are getting people to help it. Because the, the worker, even though you've just rampaged through the, you know, killing people and, and smashing everything up, there's points where workers, firstly, they're fascinated by you. They're always trying to get close to you. I and secondly, that. they try and help you, and I think that must be mm, something to do with no. I thought that, influence. but then it's the fact that you realise they're leading you to a trap. That's why they're helping you. It's What's the trap though? The trap is when they want you, and that's where they're, they're, they're literally dangling a, a, a toy above you for you to grab it, and then they open the trap door oh, and you fall into point. the chamber. That's, point, yeah. that's why they're helping you. Is they're trying to go the goad him into this area so they can trap him. But the weird thing is, and this is why again it isn't. And I love, this is what I love about it. And this is why I can completely understand that people would not love this and be frustrated by this. But the fact that when you go into that room, it is full of people watching you. It makes me feel like partly I think this is a trap, but the number of people who are all there in the shadows watching makes me feel more like it's an experiment. And this is all just part of the experiment. And they know this is going to happen. And the fact that then if you extrapolate that, the idea that they knew eventually you would be brought here, and that's why this room is full of these people waiting to see this happen. But also the fact that they have a diorama with a marked point of where it will stop rolling once it comes out and goes down the hill. That's a new detail. It makes you think, well, if they knew this was going to happen, then you start to, again, when you look at all of these creatures with the long black hair, which appear to be just like the boy, but having lived underwater for a long time and grown their hair, it starts to raise loads of, and again, I don't have answers for it, but it, it makes you think, what the fuck is this? Like, Well, see, this is what I was going to say, is that what you seem to be having loads of fun with now is just untangling this like massive meta puzzle of what is actually happening. Yeah, exactly. But, I, but I, I don't think the game is set up to be a meta puzzle. I think it's it's. But this is I don't think there are answers to these questions. But we can it's, agree yeah. that it's successful at whatever because at least that Matt is enjoying picking apart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, but it's not. Um, it the reason it's not like yeah. The re- the, the thing is, there's no good, there's not going to be one person that gets the right answer and wins no, the prize. Yeah. And that's kind of the that's kind of the cool thing about it. Like that's what I liked about about um, Limbo as well is that I mean for me the, the what will stay with me about Inside is there's just a collection of 
really just dis- disturbing thought provoking images and experiences like the uh there's a few just moments in it where it just kind of made me think slightly differently i really liked before. when you get sighted by the robots and you get the instant taser the math, the sound effect. Of the, I think the sound is probably my favorite thing about the game. Oh, sound design was fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, the coil that springs out immediately and, and drags you away. It drags right. you up. Horrible. But it's funny how like, the death in it is just becomes an atmospheric thing. It's just chilling rather than frightening. You just get used to it and think, what the fuck is this I world? I don't know. Like, the, the death went, if you're underwater in the submarine you, and you let the hair mermaid get oh, too close in. and it <laughs> just like tries to crack into you like, like an egg. Yeah. And then it, it is, because it's inevitable and it happens and it takes like five seconds to happen every time and it's just it's really chilling. Yeah. So distressing. Yeah. No, it's it's genuinely a really weird, frightening thing. But it's fascinating that like I think, um, as you say, it's like one of these things where like it, it, in my mind, what it ends up being is a a toy box for like your own mind to just go nuts with trying to work out what it is. Well, see, this was my my the thing it ultimately ended up disappointed me doing is that I think it set up stuff that it then didn't really complete so mm. like yeah but yeah but and then and this is why i think yeah. it actually would have been stronger if it had been what you described of like a series of vignettes within the same world or within the same style whereas what it did for me that it, it i like and i did really enjoy it and i thought it was a very strong piece of work but the thing of like the first thing you see right people with masks or like the pig uh sort of the weird uh, parasites that have been the pigs like it constantly sets up mysteries and then doesn't actually like there's no what's behind the mask there's no there's no that... that's precisely the thing i like about it yeah that's Wait, the no, thing yeah, so, and this is interesting because you say stronger but what you mean is you would have liked it more which is a completely different thing well because i think actually that well, lots I of people it's easier for them to set up mysteries now and you set see up i images. disagree with that because i think there is a really thin line between crafting something like this where you have enough things where there is enough enough room for you to extrapolate on these things to have a real inert sense and not not inert, and a real like implicit sense of vaguely what's going on but then also to to theorize without it just being a bunch of stuff and i think that it's, yeah, it's a really a unusual point. thing but i think there's a real skill in what they've done here and they do it really well um, because i actually often bounce off things like this real hard i just go this is bollocks you're making me do all the work this is bollocks but this I thought was really well measured and um, I thought that there was like a really clever use of focus throughout to make sure that there were key things you noticed and there were key yeah. points that it meant that everything you kind of noticed, there was some significance to it. And you and know, it's like, up if, to you if to you, work it out. If you ever get the privilege to meet the guys who make that game, like, aren't they? They won't tell you. <laughs> um, but, but he thinks about every second of that game. And the reason these games take so long is every single second of the game is is, is made. And like, Things like what you're supposed to look at and where you're supposed to go and and, and what you're you know it's not just in the game design sense of oh where's the bit I need for this puzzle but in the the um, artistic sense of where are they supposed to be looking what, what am I drawing their attention to and and when when you have moments like what the what because I was I was in the state of hyper awareness playing inside because I just know I just I just it's the kind of you're aware of all the work that goes into every single it's exactly scene. so i was sitting there and whenever something specific would happen i'd see something go on the corner like there's a bit where you know you're in a warehouse and uh, a truck comes in to take you know you know when to pay attention basically um and in that way like in the, in the same way that nintendo is very good at signposting signposting things from a gameplay point of view play dead are probably the best developer i know at signposting things from a kind of artistic experience point of view like this is when to pay attention this is when when to kind of yeah. open your eyes, as it were. And I just made a video about it, actually, which is not got any spoilers in it, but it's talking about this almost like a camera lens. I think they do a really good job of like um, keeping lots of areas purposefully fuzzy so that your focus and, is, um, is grabbed at the right point. And points. when you're going left to right in a platform that's, you know, two and a bit D, you, you have that authorial, directorial yes. power. 
there in a was way a, that you don't when you let your you let the player go wherever they want. There was a moment where I thought that uh, when you become part of the big flashy thing and you start smashing the states, um, for a while, all you do is go left. And, you know, you, you, return, you all I thought it would be a case through. of essentially undoing the entire fascist system and growing or changing and rolling. But that would the be the obvious through. thing. Like, I, because again, I, I came up, like, as I played it, I sort of naturally wondered about what was going to happen. And I came up with so many, like, really obvious things, like, oh, you're trying to get back into nature. Or, oh, um, you're, and again, when I got the blah, blah, oh, we're going to go left now and we're going to smash everything up and that'll be satisfying and we'll smash the bad dystopian, you know. I just I came up with all these obvious things that might have happened. And they might have been more satisfying in a way, but the, then when none of it happened and you just end up dead on the hill, I was, I found that, I found that it was better. I mean, I, I'm not saying what I thought would have been better. Definitely not. I think no, no. Yeah. It's, you know, fine. It's all good. It's a good game. People I wonder play if, it. if it was dead or just deactivated or something. I don't know. And uh, what is the purpose of it? Was uh, it? Uh, what's it for? Yeah. There's so many bits of that game that I just thought, what is this for? Like, and it's very good at foreshadowing. The spider in Limbo is a fantastic, fantastic example of foreshadowing because you see it three or four times before you, you know, before it gets you, and then so you learn to fear it. And uh, Inside does that with the mermaid things. You see them three or four times before you have any interaction with them. And you know to fear it, then you know to be worried about it. And uh, and of course, in Limbo, the, the fantastic inversion of that is when it's after you and you just pull its legs off. Like that moment of when you know the Limbo spider is, is sort of defeated and you're just pulling all of its legs off to kill it. It's just, it's such a perfect, perfect moment. But it's again, it's, it's the, the fascinating thing, like it doesn't actually like the... um. It does sort of kill you. Those those are the things with uh, the long hair, the underwater things. They do kill you. But then it's interesting that it's like, then it gets to a certain point in the story where it's supposed to kill you. Mm. And then you see what happens. Mm. And you kind of think, well, well, yeah, it's this weird thing of it's like, it doesn't ki- want to kill you in the same way that a dog wants to kill you. It wants to drown you. So then it can take you off and do something to it. So then you are changed. And, and then- you kind of feel like you've, because you never encounter really those things again yeah. after that. And, then the- and that's because I think you're one of them now. <laughs> also, another thing that changes when you. When that happens, when you're at the bottom of the ocean, the fish all start to just follow you around. Well, that's the because fish are all just drawn to you. that's because that's the first time, and you think, but then it's weird because the the chicks do the same thing. It's something about the animals always follow you, which is the idea. Like, there's something but about. Wait, hang on, no, because the chicks follow you because in a way that the, the... they'd follow the mother chick. Exactly, I thought Sorry, that the was hen, the, <laughs> the mother chick, and Maybe. the fish are just the fish are just eating off you. The fish just nibble. There's vibration through the pad when they come up and nibble you. If you stay still, they will come and well, nibble. Well, there's vibration on the pad when the people come around you as well. Yeah. But the people don't nibble you. And if they did, I would approve. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think... I, I thought that... Because the, the friendly zombies, I thought... Again, another obvious thing that could have happened would have been, oh, the friendly zombies will turn on you at some point or something will happen. You'll get ripped apart by them or they'll be dangerous. But again, like pretty much everything that I thought might happen didn't, and then just random shit happened, but it, it didn't feel... like So a good example of what you're talking about, just a bunch of shit's happening, is a lot of Japanese games. Like, because of the sort of... Um, I definitely don't want my... <laughs> whatever I'm saying now to be like held up as a principle by the madcap Japanese bullshit. <laughs> well, the, something like El Shaddai, which is a game I love. I love that game. It's hilarious. But it's bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a bunch of random shit happening. And like completely random visual cues, and, and Satan there's wears a bit jeans. where you, yeah, there's a bit where you, yeah, have Satan a, wears jeans and has a smartphone. You have a dance competition. You, you have a dance comp. You have a, you, danced, like you dance. You dance to Michael Jackson. Like I mean, it's great. The third Bible, the it's longer great. awaited third it's great, Bible. But it doesn't mean anything. 
you know yeah uh, and and like you're saying the kind of craftedness of inside like it's 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 not just a bunch of random things happening and leaving a bunch of stuff open it's it is there is intent to it but i think the intent might just be to make you feel something sure and i think i mean and i really did like the bit in the middle where you walk past the massive sound waves of oh my god that was terrifying i forgot about that bit yeah yeah that was like that was that was excellent whatever it was yeah and I guess I just, uh, I don't know. I've, I've already said my piece. It's, yeah. it's fine. But that, that's what, I, again, that's what the proper, like, interesting things, things that are worthy of proper I mean, interesting criticism provoke. They provoke people one, who... Sure, and Limbo was one of the most divisive games I'm aware of. Limbo yeah. didn't have enough pieces for me, though. I found, like, there was... it was Limbo was one-dimensional by comparison. Yeah, there wasn't enough to play with in my head. And I kind of thought... It was one of those things where it was like, it, like, it was like a toy had been put in front of me, and I'm like, yeah, it's like bop it or whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. But it wasn't enough pieces to really extrapolate from and really start drilling down to what was going on. I did like Limbo an awful lot. An awful lot. But I, I but it really... had it had so Limbo's main mystery was around what happened to the sister, because the only line of oh yeah she would wander off to the stage right yeah so 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 the main the main thing like so the main theories around Limbo were all centered around who is the boy what happened to his sister are they dead those are basically the only three questions whereas exactly. Inside has a bunch more there's a ton of stuff yeah but I, I just really like um when games are able to exist in that space of 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 being like completely unclear because my favorite um, thing about playing the original Bioshock, everyone always talks about Bioshock and about the twist, but actually my favorite thing about Bioshock was I was playing it at a point when I was working ridiculously long shifts in a restaurant and I it meant that I'd play it for three hours and then I'd go and work and I just would spend all of this time thinking about all of the players and all of the audio tapes and I actually managed to piece together a lot of the stuff like in terms of the machinations of these characters are being like, oh, but he was using her and, and like basically putting together an audio play in my head of, and then when the big reveal came, it was like everything fell into place. And I went, Oh my God, this is a massive conspiracy. I feel like I often play games too quickly to allow them to exactly. live like that in my mind. You and know? that's the problem is you finish it and then and you the, move on the resolution, you yeah. move on, you're done. You kind of go, okay. And it's really satisfying to have a game where the end ties everything off and you go, Oh, okay. That's awesome. But it's kind of nice to have stuff that lingers with you as well, stuff that I you know, carry around with you. This is why I loved writing that Dark Souls book, because it was the only game I thought about for And it's because that's a game six that has months. so few answers. And there was enough to think about that I could think about it only for six months. And it, it became a much more satisfying experience, because you know if you just play through it in a weekend and then move on, you don't get nearly as much out of it as you do if you really take your time. And it's even actually like I end up comparing um, Inside a lot to Half-Life 2. Obviously, I'm, I don't think it's nearly as good as Half-Life 2 in many regards in terms of, you know, Half-Life 2 was one of the best things ever made at the time. And it was, it was structurally strong for so many reasons. Um, but Inside had a lot in common with it. And I think one of the key things about Half-Life 2 is, again, that was one of those things where, like, you didn't really know what was going on, but you sort of did. Like, no one ever, everyone kept saying, oh, we don't have time to talk about now, Gordon. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> but you could see that the world was really changed and fucked up and you just had to kind of vaguely fill in the gaps about what was happening now and what had happened and I think like a lot of my enjoyment of Half-Life 2 people want Half-Life 3 but then if that came out people would want answers from it and it seemed to be like I don't know it's like answers would kind of ruin it like I still love the world of Half-Life 2 and C17 and the Combine because I don't know what the fuck it is exactly and that's cool like that's really cool but if that had been the end, if like Half-Life 2 was the end and people walked away from that not ha being told what the big deal was with all of this stuff exactly, people might have felt about it really differently. Sure. I think there is a difference between needing to provide closure and then sort of provide... You don't need to leave things as just a sort of upturned, unfinished mystery in the way that 
inside partially does. It doesn't need to have an ending. It doesn't need to have closure. But I think it is. They are so good at crafting scenes that are so beautiful, like the sound wave thing, which has the n- individual scenes in Insider beyond yeah. compare. So I think it's a it's a team that is unbelievably talented at crafting an individual scene or Moments. palette, which mm. is just so beautiful, and will do that first and foremost. Rather than like the sound, the sound wave yeah. channel in the middle has no bearing or. Relation that's what, that's what we were saying at the beginning. It's like a series of moments. I I felt like inside was a series of moments. It felt to me like a. I mean, I mean, actually, Matt's kind of tied it together much more than I did in my head. I was happy to leave it as like a, um, like a like a gallery, like going through a sequence of moments. Um, but you know, you're making me think maybe there is actually quite a lot more sort of structural I think there's stuff going loads, on. But it's again, you start to get it. you start to hit a wall where it's like that's the wall. Um, I think there's but, no more. But it's I, definitely super awesome that I didn't realize that the blob falls in the glass. Dispatch. That's just weird. Like it's, that, it, that's fun. It, like the, it, the fact that it falls into it, but it, it's a and that's where it ends up ultimately. It's going to where it's going to be. The fact they've already mapped out where it's going to be before it gets there. Yeah, that's fun. It's that's fucking really weird. Um, it makes you think like it makes you think a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that we got to a point where like it wasn't that many years ago that you'd have like kind of oh you got to play this two D like emotional story thing and everyone would just love it like I think it's it's great that we got to a point where people don't love it and not just because they go oh these games are for girls you know like, I think it's it's, it's nice short. that we can get to a point where we actually have not like, good value tastemakers you know have, like taste of being like hey I like this sort of thing like there's loads of types that I can't be doing with Russian cinema for example some people love it but <laughs> I'd love it if we can get to a point where we actually have like names for these things be like oh what's oh no it's one of these I don't like them well we've got like, walking simulator let's work on breaking that down. Yeah, let's let's work on let's work on improving that shit. All right, thank it's you true. so much for listening to Daft Souls, everybody. Yeah, and uh, if you want to comment on the stuff we've been talking about, you can go and do so at coolghost.net, um, and it will be a post on the main page. And you know what I want to do? I genuinely haven't seen your inside video yet, and I want to know what you have to say about camera angles. So you can do that on coolghost.net as well. Yeah, yeah, the, that video went up uh, last week. So yeah, it's about it's about. Scroll down, give it a a little look. It's only it's quite short. If you've already finished inside, yeah, do it. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us, Kazan McDonald. You're welcome. What have you? Where can people still find your work? If you you would still like to find the work that I do and the really talented people who work also for my website, (laughs) you you don't have to to follow my terrible grammar. (laughs) You can go to kotaku.co.uk. Fantastic. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.